Podcasts. We are today joined by Mark Stohart, Stothard, forgive me, um, who's uh, the owner, director, uh, founder of Echo Yachts in Australia. Good morning, Mark. Or good afternoon, Mark. Good evening. Good evening. Yeah, good <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. No problem at all. So, Mark, we were talking just before a little bit about where you come from and what got you to where you are at the moment. Can you fill yes, us well, in a bit? It's been, a, been an interesting journey. I, I started my career as an aircraft engineer and uh, way back in the sort of late 70s. And um, after getting retrenched a couple of years into my time, um, I thought, well, I need to go and find another career because this isn't very stable. Ended up getting a job um, selling marine diesels for Cummins Diesel and then ended up getting headhunted a few years later by a plate building company. Uh, we've got a very active lobster fishing uh, industry on our west coast here. And um, so back in those days, the company I was working for was called Riverfront Boat Builders and um, we were building 50, 50 foot cray boats a year in fiberglass and aluminium. So it gave us as a, as a shipbuilder an opportunity to uh, put systems in place and, and learn our trade and designs, uh, experiment with designs with smaller vessels whilst we evolved into the larger vessels. And 1985, I started a company called Image Boat Builders with a, a partner, Bill Plug, and um, we grew that to be the third largest shipbuilding company in Australia by 1998. And then I sold that company to Austal in 98 and then stayed on as their the sales manager until 2006. So Austal are well known in the world for high-speed ferries and defence work and, and things like that. Uh, so I stayed on with, with them for about sort of eight years and um, and then sort of moved on to take on a role as an owner's representative for a big company, uh, Venetian Casino. And I took them from being a non-ferry operator to one of the largest ferry operators in Hong Kong in three years. Mm. And um, so not long after that, I founded uh, Echo Yachts. Well, more so Evolution Commercial, which morphed into Echo Yachts when one of my old clients came back. And so, at, um, at the time, I mean, yacht building in, in Australia, is it relatively new? Because um, your background was was in boat building, but could, not necessarily yeah. could, in yacht. Can I interject just for a second? Because be, before we went on air, and, and I just I love this, this part of the story, you, you, you grew up, uh, your family... When you were a young boy, uh, your father was in mining, and you grew up Correct. in a small yeah. mining town outside of Perth, if I'm not mistaken. No, it's about a thousand nautical mile north of Perth, um, a place called Dampier, a very remote place in our Pilbara where the, the big iron ore mines are, and uh, that's the port for um, Tom Price, which is where the mine is. Well, I, I just I love that part of it because it's it's um, you know, a, a, a kid from uh, a mining family thousand nautical miles north of Perth. Uh, to us, it's, 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 it sounds like a very remote place in Australia. And today, you're the owner, the founder of probably one of the, the largest boat builders in, in Australia, mm. and, and making you know, huge 84, which we'll get to, 84-meter trimaran largest uh, boat of its kind in the world. Yep. That, that I think... It, that evolutionary story is is uh, is incredible. It, it's really inspiring to me. And yeah, thanks very much. Well, I mean, it's no accident that we managed to pull off the build of White Rabbit because, as I mentioned before, 
um, we really did cut our teeth building a lot of smaller boats first and got the systems in place and got it right. And we've never had the luxury in shipbuilding in Western Australia of being able to do multiple runs of the same design, and uh, which most other yacht builders and shipbuilders get to the do. Production boats. So we we had to get really good at being confident of uh, a costing and designing one-off projects, but b delivering one-off projects as well. And um, so, you know, the the only run of multiple projects or multiple vessels I've ever had the luxury of doing was that one that I was headhunted for with the Venetian Casino where we built 14 vessels. But um, the, the we actually pioneered the aluminium shipbuilding um, technology in Western Australia. I don't know if you know that. Yep. And um, so that goes way back to a company called Star Boats, which was headed up by John Rothwell, who's now the chairman of Austal. And they were yeah. building, the they built the very first ever aluminium boat probably way back in the late 70s, I would say, with my partner, Bill Plug. And um, and so then we all evolved into these flared bow sort of arrangements and, you know, any shape that you can think of, like on the White Rabbit, which is where we are now. So that's what – and if we go back a little further, you ask a question about the history of super yacht building in, in Australia, and it's been a little bit checkered. Uh, well, um, checkered probably not the right word, but uh, spasmatic, I think, is probably the better word. Um, there was a really successful company called Oceanfast that earned a very good reputation yes, back in the, in the, I think they founded in 1985, uh, about when I started Image. And they, they grew and, and, and were very, um, very successful at building high-speed super yachts and it really set a whole new market into the super yacht world. So a lot of my core team are ex-Oceanfast um, in, in the, the luxury side of it. And my production side of the team come from various other companies that I've been involved with. And the, the team we've got left with is 130 guys of core sort of um, rock stars, I suppose, in each of their field. Um, you know, we do everything in-house apart from uh, the, the super yacht painting and the air conditioning, but, you know, electrical design, engineering design, naval architecture, um, you name it, we we do it. You know, so um, it's um, it's all in house steel, aluminium, fiberglass. We can do it. And I and, I uh, presume the experience of of engineering from boat building is is very similar to to yachts. Absolutely. You know, I mean, your commercial systems uh, in a lot of the yachts, uh, sorry, a lot of the ferries, the fast ferries and stuff we do are really quite complicated. You know, a lot of our vessels were quad engine, 42 and a half knots, 47 metre, 411 um, passenger vessels. And, um, you know, ferries. serious right control on them. And um, very, you know, so installed kilowatt would be um, 4 by 22, 30 kilowatts, you know, so over 8,000 kilowatts on board. And, and able to do those sort of speeds. So, you know, I, I won't discount the complexity of building a yacht, but um, the commercial uh, drive systems and stuff can often be way more complicated than any yacht, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and digital systems, the computer networks, the, um, I mean, I presume the, the bridge is going to be very different on a yacht than on a boat because it requires different Oh, absolutely, things. yes. I mean, a lot of the boats that we were building towards the back end of the, um, the the time of Image were liverboards, and I actually own a liverboard myself. I'm a half owner of the very successful cruise company called True North Adventure Cruises in in Australia, 
And we own a 50-foot aluminium cruise boat that has um, shallow draft and goes up the rivers in the Kimberley. And we're just about to start our cruise season tomorrow, actually. We go up the West Coast for a 10-day cruise. 36 passengers on board, 18 crew, and a helicopter, uh, EC-130 helicopter on board full-time. Will you be on the so cruise? quite a unique product. Sorry? Will you be joining the cruise? Uh, not not on this one. I'm on the uh, second waterfalls run up in the Kimberley, which is in about three weeks' time, and then I'm doing a PNG trip later on. You do that for pleasure, I take it. Yeah, sort of. I, I'm also a professional photographer is one of my hobbies um, that I do. And um, so when I'm on board, I get our sort of next batch of marketing shots for the company. Oh, great, great. Um, so I, I took all the hero shots that you might have seen around on the magazines, like the cover shot on the um, on the Boat International magazine and all the shots that you see throughout those sort of 13 pages are all mine. That's all wow. you. Wow, I did not know that. I had actually seen the, the one uh, on the Boat magazine because that was only... Mm. Last month's edition, I think, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, it's only been out for a couple of three weeks. Yeah. I've just um, embarrassed myself here. Only the other day I picked up my daughter's um, Nikon camera and decided Mm -hmm. that I want to learn to to be able to take photographs. So uh, I Mm -hmm. wish I hadn't brought that up, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'd encourage you to go out and uh, find someone that is really... Really got a reputation and very good at, at coaching and uh, and do what I did 10 years ago. I was coached by a guy called Christian Fletcher who um, is a very close friend of mine now and we coach together these days and um, we, we kind of grew together uh, uh, after he took, took me under his wing. It was, it was really good. I'm at the YouTube stage looking for tutorials. <laughs> How do I use this camera? <laughs> but yeah, a whole interesting uh, you know, creative side Sorry? as well. And a whole interesting creative side oh, as well to you. And um, photography has brought that out big time. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I take photos most days one way or another, either, either in the yard or, you know, landscapes. Or I, I do underwater photography. I've done about 2,000 scuba dives. I do drone photography and I coach drone flying and all sorts of stuff like that. How do you get the time? You make it. I've done three and a half thousand skydives as well. Okay, wow. now you're just making me feel bad about myself. And <laughs> time, time for some news or something. <laughs> Mark, I've, I've got a favourite saying in life: it's not a rehearsal. You just got to get out there and do it. That's it. Oh, you see that go go do it attitude. I love it. Um, mm-hmm. Can we talk about the white rabbit for a moment? First of all, why a tri- why a trimaran? Well, we've proven the, the benefits of the trimaran big time with the results of what, what came out of the build of White Rabbit. Um, the, the owner challenged us to be uh, with engineering boldness, and he said the two most important things that were really important to him were um, very quiet and very smooth. So we very quickly came to a diesel-electric solution, and then with a bit of uh, iteration, we ended up with a uh, variable-pitch Rolls-Royce drive system. The net result was out of 5,000 kilowatt with the 3,000 gross ton machine, we achieved a speed of 18.7 knots, and that included running the house with 5,000 kilowatt. We're on a uh, equivalent volume steel hull in Monaco last year that had 8,000 kilowatts of drive engines with a conventional drive to do the same speed. So, so there, there's the 40% better efficiency with the long skinny trimaran hull form, and. We, we achieved a cruise speed of 13 knots, only running two of the gen sets at 1,000 kilowatt each, and that included running the house. So that gives us a 5,200 nautical mile range with 166,000 litres of fuel. 
So the boat was able to go from here to Singapore in one fuel tank. Wow. Is, is that big? Well, obviously, it's a combination of things, but uh, with the trimaran hull, is there less drag with the boat? Um, Way less drag. They're long, so you've got your long, uh, skinny center hull, which mm -hmm. is still wide enough to have a reason, very comfortable uh, owner stateroom in the center hull. And then you've got the two outrigger hulls, which are wide enough to have all of the uh, the gensets. So we've got three gensets in each outer hull. Ah, okay. Um, so I don't know if you know, remember our swimmer, our famous swimmer, Ian Thorpe? Yes, of course. From, West, from Australia? Yeah. Well, one of the reasons why he's a very good swimmer is he's about six foot nine. So he's long and slender, <laughs> right? So he's, he only has to pull about 20% less energy to, to that, the same speed as someone that's about five foot six. Okay. okay, and was he an inspiration so, in your design? <laughs> well, not really. Um, the, the client already has a 60-metre trimaran, and, uh, and he very much likes the outcome of that. And one of the, the real benefits of the trimaran hull form is you get 20 metres of beam in this size of boat. Yes. That's... Uh, so you walk in and the wow factor is just immediate Yeah. as soon as you walk through those main doors in the main deck. Yeah, your average uh, single-hull yacht is what? 10 meter beam or 12 meter beam no i would say your 84 meter would be up around the 12 meters yeah. i would say 12 13 but you add that extra um seven or eight meters to, to that and right through the boat through every deck we ended up with 1200 square meters of luxury fit out in white yeah, I, saw, I saw that statistic that's, that's big that is huge and and your choice of engine rolls royce Oh, here we're used to MTUs. Uh, the Caterpillar cats. engines, Caterpillar gen sets. Okay. So we've got four C32s at 1,000 kilowatt each and two C18s at 500 kilowatt each. They're providing the electricity that drives through a Comsberg power management system. Mm -hmm. And then that distributes out at 720 high voltage into the stat electric, AC electric motors. And then that uh, inputs through a Ranchi 6 to 1 uh, reduction gearbox, then into a Rolls Royce variable pitch prop system. Okay. So, yeah, and it works really well. You it's can, all automatic as as the captain puts his um, puts his throttle down, uh, and it requires more horsepower. It just kicks in another gen generator automatically. So, can I ask what were the biggest what was the biggest hurdle to get over in putting this together? Put a lot into uh, it, but were there yeah, look, two or three things that was, just were took time to try and figure out how you'd get around them? I guess there was a bunch of those. I wouldn't say there were any major hurdles through the way. It was um, it was just a bigger version of a bunch of other big projects that we've done. And people say to me, how do you tackle a project like that? And I've, I've done the Avon Descent a number of times paddling a canoe down 130 kilometres. And, and if you think about paddling a canoe down 130 kilometres over two days, it's quite daunting. But if you, if you just think about paddling to the next corner... It's not so bad. Mm -hmm. And uh, we modulise the build of our, our yachts these days. And so you're only ever sort of thinking about the mod one module you're building at the time and then that module goes together. And then when the fit-out boys get into there, they're only thinking about the zone that they're building at the time. So, yeah, it's broken down into bite-sized bits. And uh, my role within the company is really kind of the fireman, I guess. When the boys run into problems they can't solve, I get pulled in and, and then we brainstorm it together and come out with solutions, you know. And uh, we really, I can honestly say, we didn't have any major sort of show-stopping hurdles in there. What was the biggest um, thing you learned from it? That you could do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I think, I guess what we learned was that um, 
you know, we, we can tackle anything that we want to want to bite off and with within reason, you know, yeah. I, I probably wouldn't tackle a 250 metre from here, but I'd certainly go a little bit longer. Um, and, um, you know, fabulous team, you support them the, the way that we do support them and all of my senior management have come off the floor like myself, we're all ex-apprentices. So we know how to treat our guys on the floor and they, they love working for us. And I can't tell you how many guys would come up to me when I'm walking around the yard every day and they'd say, Mark, love this company, love this boat, love this project. And it's just so gratifying to have that. And then at the end of the day, you end up with a client that is absolutely over the moon with what we've taken from a 2D bit of paper to a 3D bit of reality. That's cool. That's, that's what we do and why we do really well, you know? That's the payoff. That's the payoff. And we're not scared to take on one-offs, as I say. A lot of shipyards say, well, look, you know, we'll build you an 84 metre, but it's got to be this this whole form with this engineering package because it's all designed and we're ready to go. And you can have whatever look superstructure you want and you can have whatever layout you want, but don't stuff with our engineering package. Well, we're not like that. We'll start with a blank sheet of paper and we'll go hard mm-hmm. and we'll make it work. Hmm. Where do you see shipbuilding going in the future? Because we're... If um, if you look at the industry now, there's, there's a big shift to new propulsion systems, a lot of boats looking mm. at going more eco with their electric engines, etc. With their interiors. Your, your forecast for the next five, ten years, you know, both in terms of the size yachts they're getting, because you know, we're seeing ridiculous... Um, you know, it, it's, it's, almost, it's a thin line between what's a super yacht and what's a cruise liner. Uh, especially if you yeah. look at the Russian Mega market. Yacht come giga yacht, um, in yeah, well, just to, just to, to um, relate to the um, to the size of the yacht question, I, I think the 80 metre has become the 50 metre of sort of a few years ago. That's become almost like the, the go-to size. And it really is a world cruiser at that size. Yeah. And I don't think you're going to see, you know, just a, an over-influx of your 200-plus metre boats. Uh, they're they're quite sort of one off and or you know very very special to a very sort of a handful of, of buyers I would say, but as as far as where the industry is going, I, I would suggest that boats like the White Rabbit will get more and more traction as more and more people get to see them because you are burning forty percent less fuel to get to the same places, you are relatively shallow draft, you've got a fabulous ride, these things are smooth as any boat I've ever been on. Mm. And just impressive bits of kit. The the thrusting system that we had on it, we had two water jet thrusters in the aft stern quarters of the outer hulls and a rimless uh, Chotel thruster um, in the bow. And that thing was so impressive. It had no skeg and had electromagnets that the, the um, this inner, inner rim would spin through. The only way you knew that the bow thruster was working, you'd see the water going sideways. There's no noise at all. Wow. Um, and the, the, the jet thrusters at the back would, would propel the vessel at five knots. So when the captain's moving off the jetty and manoeuvring out of the harbour, it's all with thrusters. And the, the, the main propulsors are just spinning in neutral, doing nothing. And so so amazingly manoeuvrable. And, uh, and then when, when he gets out of the, the heads, he just starts pitching up his main drives and away he goes. Uh, what's, what is the, um, the draft on, on the White Rabbit? 4.3 metres. Only 4.3? Yeah. Yeah, fully loaded 4.3. So um, once again, you know, cru- cruising around places like PNG and West Papua and things like that where we go with True North, you're going to be able to get into a lot more spots with a boat of that draft than you are with some of the 
heavy displacement drafts of the the steel equivalent. You know. Yeah, because um, you know, one thing I've noticed um, last year was the increase in the smaller expedition yachts, so that they had mm-hmm. less uh, less draft on them, so they could actually less get draft. into those little nooks and crannies where the big, bigger yeah. expedition yachts had to sit out and kind of like. Well, look at that over there. We can't go there, but look at it. <laughs> stuff going by. Exactly, you know. I mean, my own personal boat, the True North, only draws 2.2 metres, so we get right up the rivers in the Kimberley and nose up, nose up people into the waterfalls, and um, it's really just such a cool thing to what, do. What length the, is the she? Guest love. 50 metres. Wow, that is, uh, that is shallow draft. And um, yeah. In, Just Google it, truenorth.com.au. I'm going to write that down. In, in use of materials, I throw this out because, uh, funny enough, we were talking yesterday about two or three new yachts that have come up, looking at more of kind of the ecological side and 3D mm. printing now coming in for, you know, motorbikes and cars. And very often, mm. you know, we've seen what the motor industry has taken on. The yachting industry often follows. Do you see a change mm. in the use of materials, in in what we use to design the boats because that has changed as well in the past decade or two i believe yeah well it's the software for design is definitely evolving and you know the 3d computing systems are just getting better and better all the time now and so it takes the guess factor out of you know what's my boat interior really going to look like they can just be taken through a fly through these days and and turn around almost with sort of 3d goggles and just see everything and in real, real color and real texture, almost you can almost reach out and touch it. So, that's that's definitely going to play a big part in the future. As far as 3D printing goes, sure, there's a few applications. We, I think, we did a little bit of 3D printing on some of the parts on White Rabbit, but for the life of me, I can't think exactly where that application was at the moment. But um, yeah, but uh, you know, I don't think that'll play a big part. Um, you know, fire-rated materials is always a consideration in these yachts. You know, especially if you're building to the um, to your uh, uh, passenger codes of, or Solus or anything like that, you know, or your, your yacht codes. The choice of, of metals, you know, aluminium versus steel hulls, steel hulls versus fiberglass. Well, it, it really is just a, a function of um, what you want to achieve. And with this particular client, he wanted the beam of a trimaran, he wanted the trimaran hull form. By definition, the moment you make that decision, you pretty well pr- preclude steel as a hull form because by cutting out the uh, cutouts where your tunnels are, you're losing a lot of buoyancy. So everything that went into White Rabbit um, was very weight conscious and we weighed everything that went in. Uh, one, two, three naval architects were the uh, naval arcs from Sydney that um, did all the naval architecture design and Sam Saw Giovanni was a stylist. Mm-hmm. All Both those guys did a fabulous job in their teams. Uh, so much so, when White Rabbit hit the water, it went exactly to the Zion waterline and trimmed exactly where it was supposed to trim. And when we went out to do speed trials, I said to the naval arcs, okay, at this weight and this fuel condition and everything else, what are we going to get flat out? They said 18.7 knots. We did 18.7 knots. Yeah. That's impressive. That's very Perfect impressive. spec. Mm-hmm. A, a mm-hmm. Great achievement in any project. <laughs> Absolutely. Know. You know. You know. And house you know, building projects never go that way. <laughs> The other impressive thing on this boat is the NIAD ride control system. Um, they've got 40, 48 metres uh, squared of uh, ride control fins underneath and there's four big wings that swing fore and aft to give it the heave, pitch and roll control and a big 
um, big kick-ass um, trim tab at the back. So um, the, the smoothness of, uh, of this vessel underway in seas is incredible, uh, both because of the, the lack of vibration uh, for, from the get-go because it's all gensets driving the engine, um, and then you've got electric motors which don't create any vibration, and, uh, and then, of course, the right control system. She doesn't roll or pitch or heave or do anything. That's amazing. And when you have a look at any of the aerial shots, there's no weight because it's really efficient. So, you know, if I would say that for sure this technology and the, this whole form will start to get traction as people more and more people get to see it. And we're already seeing a lot of interest um, from just the, the boat sitting in Singapore and people being able to get on board and have a look. Yeah, I'm, like I'm listening to you. I've read the stats on it. And the, the only thing that I could see as possibly problematic would be the beam on her. Is it difficult to find uh, a space? Because you'd have to probably take two moorings out for her. Uh, well, two, yeah, well, you've just hit the nail on the head. The, the way that this client has achieved it is he just knocked out one of the one of the berths and uh, he's just paying for two berths. <laughs> Boom, done. End of story. Is that but, a problem? No, no not really. <laughs> not if you can buy all an 84-metre. Well, th this is it. I mean, the, the question begs to be asked. Why would you want any other type of boat? From fuel efficiency, from space, exactly. from smoothness, from quietness, from uh, no pitch and roll on her. Uh, it sounds like the you know, the evolutionary nirvana of where luxury yacht should be, or indeed any yacht. Yeah, I mean, it gets back to the brief as well. I mean, we're, we're not saying that this vessel is is able to go anywhere in the world or rah, rah. You know, it's certainly not ice class or anything like that. No. But it's, it's rated for up to six metres. I don't believe it'll ever see six metres in the areas where the client wants to cruise with. But I'm sure it'll be rel relatively comfortable in anything up to four metres or thereabouts and um, uh, certainly ma match its steel counterparts one way or another. Mm. And um, and one thing they, they do really well, these trimarans, is they punch like a beauty because they're long and skinny. And... Um, so not many boats can boast that because they're normally, you know, quite beamy and yeah. and uh, bang a bit when they're punching into a head sea. And is there any story behind its name, White Rabbit, which actually does stand Alice, out yes. in, in the world of super yachts? Is it but Alice in Wonderland was a White Rabbit. No, the, the association. Uh, oh, no, the story it? is quite simple: is that the client um, year of the rabbit is when he was born. Ah. And Chinese and white rabbits are lucky in Chinese culture, uh -huh. and so therefore all of these boats have been called White Rabbit. So even though that, that they've all got a nickname, so you started off with White Rabbit Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta, Echo. Um, so White Rabbit Echo is the last 60-meter uh, trimaran superyacht. He didn't build Foxtrot because foxes and rabbits don't get along. Mm -hmm. And well, then this one depends who you ask. If you ask the fox. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, there's been some other iterations with this client as well, like Charlie, the shadow boat we built. So, yeah, don't don't uh, forget that one either. Whilst we built the White Rabbit Golf, we also built Charlie, which is a 46-metre fiberglass shadow boat to carry the toys for the big boat. And um, that vessel was conventional drives with a couple of Cummins engines in it. It also did 19 knots flat out, cruises at 16 it carries a 12-metre cat off the back of the boat on a big forklift hydraulic arrangement, and it carries nine other tenders on board, including jet skis, a landing barge, a hovercraft, a luxury tender, a, you know, a couple of general tenders. 
And it's got a huge um, touch-and-go heli deck on it as well. This man likes his toys. Yeah. Oh, he uses his boats too. That's what I really like yeah. about him. He's, he knows boats. He, uh, he, he's really passionate about diving and looking for wrecks and taking photos and stuff like that. And uh, he's, a, he's a man after my own heart. You know, I love my diving too and uh, love exploring your camera and things like that. So, and mm. you are an amazing part of the world to go diving. Oh, you bet. We yeah. got some of the best diving on our west coast, like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, and, um, unfortunately, what, you know what we do have. Unfortunately, well, fortunately, I suppose, is that we do have mining here, and so that means our government doesn't have to promote Western Australia so much to get a, a royalty. And and um, whereas Queensland has to promote the, the Barrier Reef and the likes mm-hmm. to the nth degree because that's where they get their income, right? Mm. Yeah, very much so. But we've got we've got reefs off our west coast here that rival Barrier Reef every day of the week. Yeah. Well. I, I, it's one of the disadvantages of the med is that it it is harder to find clearer diving now. Do you know the, mm-hmm. it, the waters are murky? The well, waters are a lot murkier, and it being an enclosed area, it is not pristine. You know, for for diving, there are certainly beautiful places. You know, but they are mm. not as common anymore, where you have the whole ocean around you. You're not going to get yep. plastics now, are you? No. no. <laughs> Touching plastics. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a, that's a photo of the Bismarck Sea where I was on True North a couple of years ago. And um, sort of typical of where we dive. And um, and that's that's another reason why clients should consider West Australia as a destination to build their yachts and or refit them because we've got some of the best kept secrets in cruising grounds here um, from PNG to West Papua to the Kimberley. Uh, Rolly Shoals, Montebello Reef, uh, Brolis Islands, Ningaloo—you name it, we got it. You know? yeah, we, just, we, were, um, we were talking with—I uh, don't know if you know Captain Jimmy Blee. No, I don't. He's uh, an incredible character, but he's uh, around the Indonesia, Bali, um, and he also does a lot of work in the uh, Papua New Guinea area. Um, mm-hmm. I have to say, after talking with yourself and with him and. Caroline we should have really carried good. on south. We only got as far as Mallorca. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, oh dear. We, we might be doing a live interview with you down there someday soon. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, no problem. starting to pack my bags already. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, but you're right, actually. You know, even on Australia, we, we think more of the Great Barrier Reef and, and that side of it. Mm. Western Australia, we think more land-based the amenities on the ocean Australia. yeah they don't really hit yeah. us it's um, all about currents and yeah. great barrier reef and, and sydney and that's about well, it. see the difference between between us and the great barrier reef is you've got to go about an hour hour and a half to get to the main areas of the great barrier reef by ferry or something or by boat of some description our our um you know iconic reef that we have here is the ningaloo reef and coral bay and that's right on the off the beach. <laughs> you can get to it by four wheel drive, and you just snorkel out, and it's all there. Wow! Or you can get to it by boat. You know, have you have you had um, the equal problems that the Barrier Reef have been struggling with, or we don't have any bleach over here at all? I was going to say because it's less discovered. Are you um, more insulated? I don't really know. Or? It's also water temperature that affects it. We've got um, Andy Lewis, who uh, works mm-hmm. for us quite uh, quite often on True North, actually, as a naturalist and whatnot and um, you know he's a very knowledgeable guy being a PhD in marine biology and uh, 
he'd be the boy to ask that question. Um, I don't really know the answer myself. Well, we're, we're hoping that we uh, will be talking to him hopefully this week as well. So uh, mm. I will pose that question to him now that I know a little bit more about Carl's in, in Western Australia as well. Is there any reason we're focusing so much on Australia? Are you trying to send me a message here? I, it, to be honest, it, it came from talking to Joanne Drake, who uh, does the Supiak Group Great Barrier Reef. And yes, Dave had met her in Monaco and she yeah. reached out and I'm chatting to her going, you know, I, I go through super yacht yachting news all the time and very mm -hmm. little hits us in what's going on in Australia and Asia and the Pacific area in the general kind of news that hits us here in Europe or in the States, both of which I go through quite a lot. So and there's well, a large well, percentage let me of ask crew you one question. In, in, in the cruising grounds that you, you're used of, would you expect that you could do a thousand nautical mile run and not see another boat? Oh, no. <laughs> see, not I think, at all. I think Mark, That's where we go. I think, Mark, there's a reason that we're not hearing much from Australia up here. It's because <laughs> you don't want to tell us. That's right. I blame you guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, look, it's, there's a lot of fun to be had down here. And... Um, you know, just beautiful country, and uh, I mean, as I mentioned to you the other uh, just earlier, we've just had a 40 degree day here, and we're just hitting our beautiful autumn time, where the, the the temperatures will range between 30 and 40, and the winds will drop right off, and we'll have these sort of calm days, and it's stunning over here. We, we are talking centigrade, not Fahrenheit, aren't we? Centigrade, yeah. yeah. So. Yes, otherwise it wouldn't be beautiful yeah, and warm. I know you just. <laughs> But our, our heat's dry heat because we, um, we've got a desert in the centre of Australia and the, the off, offshore winds bring the heat in off the oh. desert. And um, so it's not humid at all. And uh, so it's much more tolerable than the you know, sort of very tropical um, PNG type humidity, yeah. you know. Uh, I, that's one thing I don't like about the Caribbean is that, that humidity that's down there. And it's, um, actually, mm. when I used to work in Hong Kong, you'd have to bring um, a shirt in a case with you so that when you got to a, a, an yeah. office or something you could, you could change in the bathroom and you wouldn't be sweating yeah. all over the place yeah, i know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about i've done a lot of work in hong kong and and singapore and the likes and over the years and um yeah those places can get very hot and uncomfortable yeah yeah very unpleasant mm. so mm. the year ahead for you are there any interesting projects you can share a little window Not of Without Not revealing too much. Yet, I, can, I can say that we've got a lot of interest coming our way off the success of both of those launches. And um, we're running down a number of new opportunities at the moment. And uh, But right here, right now, I've got work for 12 months ahead of me with refits and uh, doing modules for other shipyards and the like. So we've got enough uh, sort of breathing space to run these uh, new potentials down. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, watch this space. Well, well it sounds like you have been very much the pioneer of yachting shipbuilding in in western australia and certainly hit the news up here with your yep. big launch last year so it will be great yeah, to stay, hear of, uh, stay in touch keep us up to date yeah no worries yeah i have been involved in the industry since its inception really it really started to hit its straps in the early 80s and um and I've watched it grow and I've been a part of that in various roles from either my own companies or working for other successful companies. And um, it's been a great journey. And, you know, all of us over here are doing a great job. You know, Austell are kicking goals left, right and centre all over the world and Hanseatic are doing their thing. And, um, you know, we're 
we work very collaboratively together, and uh, we we often share resources with Hanseatic. Um, if, you know, if they need fit out guys or whatever, we we send them down the line. Same with Austal, and um, so it's a healthy environment to work in, and uh, you know, and it kind of makes sense to then rather than be sort of you know really protective of your of your crew, just sort of share them around a bit when you mm-hmm. when you're a bit lean on work or whatever, and. Uh, that's how it works. Well, yeah. One of the things I loved is, is what you said of, of your team, because I think uh, it, it's a topic that's come up recently in, in the yachting industry of rotation and the importance of keeping a, a strong team, you know, a strong oh, team. Remembering where you come from. A strong company. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and the fact yeah. that you can collaborate with other companies and it's not a hot competition speaks a lot for the industry there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and um, you know I've, I've got a saying in life that, um, or quite a few of them actually, but, um, <laughs> but, but, but this, this saying I kind of made up myself, which which I which is how I, I've always operated myself and how my whole team operates, and it's it's reach, respect, earn it, ego, lose it, agro, don't need it, care, take it, humble, be it. Oh, can you email that to me? <laughs> I was going to say, I, I think you're going to have to repeat that one, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, that I'm going to put on the website. Yeah, I'm going to ask you to send that to me. Um, yeah, no worries. On that inspirational note, actually, Mark, having a chat with you, it, it has been an inspiration. It's great to hear the story of somebody who's, who's grown up from such humble beginnings and is, is now, well, head of Echo Yachts and, and turning out groundbreaking can i say groundbreaking water splashing <laughs> whatever the term is <laughs> <laughs> yeah look you know i mean the the team really were very passionate about it and i'm talking you know sam's team sam Sorgivani and and the, the one two three boys mm-hmm. my in-house design team everyone was just so passionate about this project and and it, the result reflects it you know yeah. and um from from passion comes good results right absolutely Indeed. we met our four daughters on that merry note Mark thank you very much for your time it's uh, it really has been inspirational talking with you and um, I hope we can lure you back onto the radio in the future yeah anytime no worries I'll uh, I'll I'll give you a buzz when I've landed one of these projects we're running down how's that Uh, I'll keep my my phone going (laughs) you've been listening see you Mark that was Mark Stoddard from Echo Yachts in Australia uh, Western us, Australia. Western Australia, telling us a little bit of his life story and about the company and White Rabbit. You are listening to Super Yacht Radio. Time for some music.